0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain, and no, this is not Brian Anthony Davis, bad as he <laughs> calls himself. This is this is Jeff. This is not my normal spot on a Monday afternoon. I'm normally on the Steelers preview on Thursdays, but Brian is taking care of some family business, and therefore I said I would fill in for sure. Joining me is always on the Steelers Hangover Crew, Shannon White. What's up, Shannon?
1: Hey, Jeff, it's a pleasure. I've I've not had the pleasure of being on a podcast with. The infamous, you know, the our fearless leader Jeff Hartman. So I'm, I just feel privileged.
0: I don't know if you'd feel privileged. Infamous <laughs> is correct, and I would say fearful, not fearless. <laughs> but uh, joining also the third wheel here, not to, not like that, Tony. But Tony DeFeo, <laughs> what's up, Tony? How's it going? Oh. We got a little delay going. Yes. Okay. We're going to, we're going to see if Tony can improve that before we come back in. He was pretty delayed there. Sorry about that for all of us joining uh, live on YouTube or on Facebook live. Welcome to the program for those on the audio side. Thank you for checking us out make sure you check out all of our audio content, not just the shows that are simulcast on YouTube and Facebook, but also shows like my let's ride Brian's bad language, which aired today on Monday uh, as Dave Schofield stat geek, Jeffrey Benedict tomorrow morning. We'll have a, it's a really unique show, but it's really, really great the, from the cutting room floor. So make sure you check that out wherever you get your podcast Search Steelers or behind the steel curtain, and you will find that. So while we wait for Tony to get things back in gear, Shannon, it's been a little, this is different for you all. Normally you have the day after. It's been two days, Saturday night, the Steelers beat the Raiders 13 to 10. Ironic score considering the 50th anniversary.
1: What was, you, what was your knee jerk reaction after the game, Shannon? I was just so happy for the, the players, especially because you didn't want to lose that game, you know, being in, it was so much at stake there. It was not your normal. Nope. Sorry about that. Sorry about (laughs) that. It wasn't your normal regular season game in that, you know, the 50th anniversary and retiring Franco's number and, um, and then him passing, you know, just a couple of days prior. I just thought that it was such, um, a, pressure, a high pressure moment. Uh, it had a playoff like atmosphere and feel to it. And I thought it was such a, a great experience for the young players on the roster. Uh, Kenny Pickett and, and Najee Harris, the Pat firing me, George Pickens. that they kind of experienced a playoff atmosphere before, you know, actually making the playoffs, which is a long shot this year, but it, it, the fact that Pickett was able to come through in those circumstances was what encouraged me the most, uh, about his future, that he can be the guy, you know, uh, to lead the, the Steelers, um, you you know, you never know if you're clutch till you prove it, you know, once you've done it, then you can say, Hey, you got that to lean on and say, well, I did it before I could do it again, but he has not had an opportunity kind of at the end of the Dolphins game. And, you know, he was unable to come through at that point very early in his, I think, his second start. So the fact that he was able to do that under that much pressure in those circumstances um, is invaluable for Kenny Pickett's future and the Steelers, in my opinion.
0: Good stuff. Tony's back. Let's hope we don't have the uh, ridiculous tape delay here. Tony, what was your knee-jerk reaction from the game on Saturday night?
2: Well, I mean, it went pretty much the way I expected it as far as offense on both sides. The Raiders coming from Vegas, a dome venue. I didn't expect much offense from them, and I certainly didn't expect much from Pittsburgh. I mean, uh, with they're they're so young, and and with the with the elements where they were, I, I low scoring, and I thought the defense responded really well after that first drive by the Raiders. I think it was like 130 rest of the game just a great performance. And and to echo Shannon's sentiments, you know, that Dolphins game, I wondered if Pickett was ever in that same situation again, would he, would he be able to come through? You know, he made two key mistakes down the stretch in that game. I think two interceptions on his la- last two drives, if I'm not, certainly in the last drive, but in this game, I mean, you know, he made all the right, right reads and, and uh, Firemuth played a big role in that last drive. Uh, Pickett certainly did with the touchdown. And I thought it was a a fantastic performance and a fitting tribute and. Like Shannon said, I, I said, lose that game. Everything that happened, Dana and Doc Harris uh, at, at halftime, and days after that, if it was like months later, maybe they, they would have had time to process it, of course, although you never get over that kind of thing. But to have to sit there and, and st- be in that environment just days after losing a, a loved one, that was just heartbreaking to see. And, and it just to, to see that uh, end in a loss would have been, I just, just salt in a wound. So, um, I was, I was happy to see them come through and Pickett to come through, uh, the biggest moment of his, his playing career, I think. And he came through when, when, when his team needed it the most.
0: Great points for both you guys about Kenny Pickett and the Steelers offense struggling, but finding a way at the end of the game, I want to ask you all a question about the weather and typically weather is, you know, both teams are playing in it, you know, it's not raining on one team and not the other, that type of situation. Those are some frigid temperatures. Uh, and and you could tell that both teams dealt with it in a different way. Uh, Derek Carr did, he did not have gloves on a glove a glove on his throwing hand, whereas we know Kenny Pickett always wears gloves. But both quarterbacks struggled with the ball and it sailed on a uh, sailed on them a couple times. Um, just in in general terms, Shannon, like that. I think they said it was eight degrees at kickoff with wind chills of about minus double. It was double digits, at least minus ten. I don't know if you're in your athletic career. Have you ever played in a game that's that cold or anything even close to that before? Have you, and and if so, have you you ever been out in the elements for an extended period of time and anything that's that, I would say that's pretty severe.
1: Well, anything, Shannon, I played in some cold games, not to that level. Uh, I've had to, I've had to feed cattle (laughs) and those type of temperatures and, and (laughs) it's not fun doing anything when it's that cold. Um, but even in, you know, near zero temperature, uh, without the windshield is, you know, the ball is like a rock. It yeah. gets so hard. It's harder to, you know, to handle it, to catch it, to throw it, to kick it. Uh, and I was like, Oh man. And then, you know, the whole narrative was being Kenny's little hands, you know, and, and could he, you know, if he would have bobbled that ball, even in those conditions at any point, the naysayers that have been like, see, his hands are too <laughs> tiny. If yeah. he would have fumbled, it would have been disaster. If he would have, you know, couldn't throw in that wind, 25 mile an hour wind consistently throughout the game. You know, that's why a lot of people that's never tried to throw a football, you know, they were criticizing the accuracy of both quarterbacks. Well, when you're throwing that kind of wind, depending if you're throwing into the wind, if it's a crosswind or behind you, the ball is going to sell high and long. And they kept saying, well, that's what's, yeah, that's natural. But if you look at this completion percentage, how he protected the football, the interception happened because the offensive lineman got pushed back into his lap. And if you notice, he couldn't step in proper form. And he doesn't have the arm like Ben had. And some guys have the cannon that can throw off. He could throw off schedule. But not being able to step into his throw, you know, the ball was inaccurate. But I thought he proved that he could throw a tight spiral in very windy conditions accurately he he was right on point on a lot of those passes and he showed that the hand size is overrated everybody talking about that and you know and i was concerned about it going into the draft i've always said you want a big guy back there with a big arm that can handle these adverse weather conditions but he shows he is an alpha he's a very competitive young man and he was really focused if you notice he was getting on top of his throats and i mean oh very few of them was actually sailed long could they could have been intercepted he was putting a lot of mojo on the ball a lot of rotations which helped it cut through that win so uh yeah i was i mean i don't think people realize how difficult that must have been on both quarterbacks and you've seen the experienced mm-hmm. veteran with Derek carr who supposedly has a stronger arm have more struggles with accuracy than Pickett did
0: so in, in your case, you, you were able to check some boxes for Kenny Pickett in this game, not just the game-winning drive, uh, not just completing the game and having that moment, so to speak, mm-hmm. but also the fact that he was able to – and I, I can't remember a ton of these games that Ben played in even where it was that frigid, that cold. Sure, mm-hmm. they had wind and they had some cold. Mm-hmm. but it, So you, Shannon, you you checked some boxes with Kenny Pickett, and they were all positive, yes?
1: Oh, definitely. I don't know if you remember uh, Joe Burrow's rookie year. He came to Pittsburgh and they played, the Bengals played the Steelers and the Steelers beat him. One of the few times Steelers beat Joe Burr. Might be the only time. And, but it was his rookie year and it was very windy and it was a crosswind. And I wrote an article after the game about how Ben, because of his hand size and his really strong arm, even at that point, he was throwing the ball with a lot of rotations and RBMs through the wind accurately. And Burrow had, I think, a couple of interceptions, and the ball was selling on him all day because you know he was kind of you know, he has that touch, but you can't put that touch in that ball when it's that yeah. windy. So, yeah, I think that he answered so many questions. And I just again I gotta reiterate how much um emotion was involved in that game, how much pressure that Kenny Pickett and the the guys must have felt because of circumstances. Mm-hmm. But after the game, I'm sure you all seen his interview. Uh, on the field interview, I can't remember the woman's name who does the interview. It was the sideline reporter, but he he was very reserved. I mean, you think he'd be, well, we did it and, you know, we won. We're still maybe in the playoff eligibility and, you know, all this. He was exhausted. You could tell he was mentally and physically and emotionally exhausted because of all that pressure to come through at that moment in, the, in that big a game. Um, so I was just very encouraged by that. He checked all the boxes for me. I, I've been more and more encouraged as the season went on because I don't know if you've been familiar with our podcast, but we talk about it all the time. I'm not concerned about the victories as much as I am the growth, the subst- substantial growth, uh, sustainable growth, and player development. And we're uh, watching what all those young guys did at, at the end of that game. Uh, and I- including the offensive line on that, you know, that was the most encouraging thing for me. Oh yeah. I've been listening
0: to y'all's hangover. I know what you've been saying, Shannon, and, and I, I'm, I'm actually really anxious. I was well, anxious. That's not the right word, but I was actually excited to do the show with you to get some of your thoughts on the team moving forward. I want to throw it over to Tony and give him a chance to, to chime in on the weather, uh, especially the conditions. I think that's extremely noteworthy with this game. Everyone will see 13 to 10. If you didn't watch the game, mm-hmm. You could feel the cold through the television screen. The pigment yeah. on the skin was oh, just God. that pink color. You saw the players racing to the sidelines to get the parkas and to sit on the heated benches and stuff. Uh, Tony, were you impressed? Were you? Yeah, it's kind of it is what it is. What were your thoughts on that? Oh, I was impressed that they
2: were able to to play at all in that, that game. I mean, I couldn't even walk from my car and eagle without dealing with the, the pressure of, of the wind. I mean, the wind was just uh, ridiculous. That was the closest I've ever been in my life the uh, thursday or no friday and saturday it was just it was just uh, bone chillingly cold and uh the wind was was gusting up to 30 miles an hour i don't think people realize that it. It, it was it was gusting really bad and that's what you know the, the wind chill was like what 25 below zero so um you know try to throw a football in that kind of weather and uh, like shannon said without a car uh i don't know what he was thinking there i would have had gloves on for sure if i'm if i'm him i mean you know if big ben could wear gloves anybody can wear gloves yeah. so uh you know i was impressed with with pickett and and you know uh he could play for me any any day as far as his mental toughness and his leadership now the other stuff i don't know if that's going to come uh hopefully it will it looks like it looks like he's on to be a, a at the very least a really good nfl quarterback but i mean he showed me a lot in that last drive and and, and that that pass to fry on on a where they had to uh, review it over his head his elbow. That was a, a fantastic pass. And to me, that's a, a pass that a quarterback with a, with a NFL ready arm uh, make. So uh, I, I think it's just a matter of time. I think people have to realize, and I think it's, it, it's, it's, it gets lost with, with fans because we, we don't have any patience the NFL and, and, and to be successful. That's, that's, that's a, an outlier. I mean, it's Dan Marino and everybody else, everybody else struggles besides Dan Marino, I think. So you know there are some other exceptions, but but not it like it's going to be this way. If if Kenny Pickett's the real deal, it's not going to be 13 and 10 every week, and you know 17 to 14. He's going he's going to to continue to improve, and he's going to continue to open things up. Uh, so uh, he checked a lot of boxes for me too. And, and like I said, I, I'm I'm just uh, I, I was anxious to see how, how he would do if he was in that position again, like he was in Miami, and
0: he responded uh, the way I hoped he would. Great points, great points, and you know I've ever in two thousand and four Ben Roethlisberger goes on that crazy run as a rookie when he gets inserted into the game in week two in Baltimore, and they didn't win that game, but he won every game after that, leading up to the AFC Championship game where they lose to New England. I'm not talking about that game; that's bad memories. But still, I never thought about it at the time because when you have a rookie that does that well in his first season as a starter, well, you don't. You, we had eighteen years of that, and it wasn't until I think Mason Rudolph in two thousand and nineteen, and he was not a rookie that year. And Mason Rudolph enters the lineup and the expectations were just through the roof. And that's why fans, a lot of fans, really didn't like Mason Rudolph. They expected that Ben Roethlisberger-esque entry Mm -hmm. into the National Football League. And I remember thinking to myself, the next time the Steelers draft a quarterback, this guy is going to be screwed from a fan perspective because they're always Mm going to put the Ben Roethlisberger label on him. And that's right. so unfair to anyone. To anyone, you talk, you brought Dan Marino, yeah, who came to the league right. and, and looked like he just was firing it all over the field. Not everyone does that. That is so difficult to do. And I thought I think Kenny Pickett has handled it about as well as anyone could. He is a very good public speaker for a rookie. He answers the questions. He doesn't run from the questions. He doesn't stammer. He doesn't. You know, you sometimes you can see interviews where guys have to stop and think about how they're going to answer this question. He doesn't have those Deontay Johnson moments where he says something, you know, he puts his foot directly in his mouth, and I'm sure the PR department's pulling him back behind <laughs> afterwards, saying, "What the hell are you doing?" He's not no. having those moments, <laughs> so Kenny Pickett for for a lot of things is is really mm-hmm. looking good now. I want to bring up the super chat, which is going to segue into our next topic. Evgeny Crosby gives us 4.99. Thank you very much for the tip, Evgeny. Hopefully, the Penguins play well this week and in the Winter Classic coming up. But still, Matt Canada is a big problem. And I tremble at the thought that he could come back. Evgeny, I'm sure you're not alone in those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And again, thank you very much for the tip. We appreciate it. So let's talk about this. And I want to bring up the fact I was sitting in my living room. Kids are asleep. Wife is in bed. And the game ends. I'm doing my work. I've got the TV on and the NFL network. uh, They're going over the game. And Steve Smith is on the telecast. And I'm not a fan of Steve Smith. Uh, Mainly when he went to Baltimore, the dude runs his mouth, but now he's running his mouth as a commentator and he right. starts chiming in about Matt Canada, unprovoked, mind you. He didn't, he wasn't asked about the play calling of the Steelers. He literally was just going off saying that Matt Canada is used to calling plays. These are Saturday plays, referring to these plays are plays at work in college, but this is Sunday football. This is the NFL. Well, then hmm. on today, Monday, he goes on the Pat McAfee show and doubles down. Doesn't say, you know, I don't know if I was out of line. No, doubles down, saying that he thinks the play calling is holding this offense back. He cited the young talent they have and Pat Firemuth, Najee Harris, Kenny Pickett. The offensive line has some young pieces in it, obviously. And he went down the row. He didn't just name those players. Shannon, we're two weeks left in this regular season. If you had to predict, what does the future hold for Matt Canada? And then after you do your prediction, feel free to chime in on what you thought about the play
1: calling in week 16. Go for it. I think it it's already pretty much a foregone conclusion, in my opinion, that he's coming back. Just with the way the Steelers handle their business. Uh, and, you know, I've been, everybody knows I've not been the biggest Matt Canada fan and I'm slow to give him credit for the improvement since the bye week the reason why is because the schedule it was easily to predict the success in the second half because all these young guys would have been you know that far, much farther along in their development they're playing a much easier schedule than they played in the first half which was a murderer's row and they simplified everything and I can't get past the fact that during the bye week they interviewed Canada and asked him some pretty tough questions about his offense and the ineffectiveness this year. And he kind of deflected a lot of blame. And he said that there's other, you know, coaches that have input of what's called and everything, depending on where they're at on the field. And he, you know, rumbled around there a little bit, deflecting blame. And since then we see that the offense has been really simplified. Um, and, that, you know, Steve Smith and other people are noticing that as well as we have since that time. I think that some of that res- play calling responsibility has been taken away from him. And I think that's why the offense has been doing better since the bye week. Because everybody went and he fired. I was one of them at the bye week. Well, that didn't happen. But, you know, that's not how the Steelers do things. But behind the scenes, I mean, Mike Tomlin took over defensive uh responsibilities from uh you know keith weller it would not have shocked me at all if they haven't a uh, group effort and taking a lot of that off of matt canada's plate regardless his play design is lacking and the fact that there's too many times there's two receivers in the same area or or they too much responsibility for one guy to get across the zone clean to pull a defender away and if that doesn't happen He's standing right in the throwing lane you know, his play design is, seems very, I don't, I don't want to say preschoolish, but, but I, that's what Steve Smith's talking about. And when you watch other teams, you know, scheme guys open, uh, that doesn't always happen with the Steelers. There's times that Pickett has nobody to throw to, you know, when you go back and you watch the 22, I mean, you know who would you try to throw it to and and another thing that drives me crazy which is not canada but it, he does have a saying this is there's so many times that the still receivers go to a spot and stand there and you will watch the play and the quarterback's out of the pocket and they stand there it's really easy to cover somebody standing still now those are things that i hold all the coaches staff responsible for at least on the offensive side that they you know the wide receiver coach, whoever. You don't stop you know you flow with the quarterback you get you give him a target and I think that we've seen that a lot this year so um, I'm not impressed with Matt Canada and I think that the the proven thing to do would be to try to bring in somebody uh, more proven uh, to you know why it's early in Kenny Pickett's development but then the argument is it might stunt Kenny's development where he's finally getting comfortable you know with this offense. But this offense is so simplified right now, I don't see where it would hurt anything to bring in a more qualified coordinator.
0: So just to just to clarify, Shannon, you said a lot of good stuff there. Just to clarify, you said that your prediction would be that he does return even though the team's coaching staff organization has stripped him of duties, in your opinion.
1: Well, if that has happened, okay. The, you know, if that's happened, that's what I'm assuming has happened. Well, I have no way of proving that. Right. If that's what's happened, then there is a very good chance that he should and will be relieved of his duties. Got it. Um, If the improvement is because of all these young guys, you know, getting experience and playing together, you know, and he's just a byproduct of that, they might try to bring him back, you know, and and give him another year to see what he can do.
0: Okay. Tony, what are your thoughts on, uh, I'll let you chime in on that, Cannon and what your thoughts are about him. Well, if they have stripped him of his duties, then he better be gone next year because he's not
2: Keith Butler. We heard that about Keith Butler uh, over the years. He was more of a. Uh, uh, the owners uh, seem to like him. Uh, they they seem to really like him, and, and and the fact that he was here for a long time. So I could see that, and he was really good backer's coach. So if if they have stripped stripped Matt Canada, then who's Matt Canada? He's gone. But I mean, I've heard I've heard too many things recently, like from Steve Smith, and I was listening to. Uh, Matt Williamson earlier on on uh, Monday, and he ta- he called it a ru- rudimentary offense. And Shannon's talking about how sim- simplified it is. So uh, if they are going to make a move with, with, with offensive coordinator, it has to be this year because you know it's going into year two with Kenny Pickett, and and you know like Shannon said, it's a real simple offense. So so you know it's not like uh, uh, he has to unlearn a whole lot. So uh, and if they do make a change, they better they better bring in somebody who's who ha- has a great reputation who is qualified. It can't be just uh, um, uh, promoting somebody like Mike Sullivan, you know, to be somebody who has real credentials because quite frankly, I'm sick of hearing about the offensive coordinator. I've been hearing about it for 10 years. <laughs> this, is like, <laughs> this is like coordinator number four since uh, 2011 or 2012. And sooner or later, they're going to have to get this right, you know? So yeah. um, I'm leaning towards him coming back simply because I think that uh, they're, they're going to be too afraid to, to, to mess with, with Pickett development in year two, but it's, it's only like 55, 45%, like 55 to 45% or 60 to 40%. Um, But if it is true that they have stripped him of his duties and he's gone anyway, he's, he's
0: just a a lame duck coach at this point. To me, a lot of this depends on how the organization views Kenny Pickett. So we know he's a first round draft pick. They took him 20th overall. That's all known. I don't need to reiterate that. If they view him as the next guy, I'm talking about the next franchise quarterback, then I absolutely could see them leaving it up to Kenny Pickett. In other words, at the end of the season, they pull Kenny into a meeting with Art Rooney II, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, Andy Weedle, and say, look, Kenny, here's the thing. You're our guy. Moving forward, you are the guy. Like That's not a debate anymore. We're going to leave this at, do you think this Matt Canada offense can work? Can you, with Matt Canada develop a system that not only accentuates your strengths, maximizes production, or do you think this is the, the best that we're going to get? And and I, I could see them doing that. And if Kenny Pickett, maybe he has a great relationship. He says he has a great relationship with him because he he's known him for a long time. He recruited him out of New Jersey to go to Pitt before he left. That's he is in Matt Canada. I, I think that would be interesting. It would be interesting to see. Or he, Kenny Pickett might say, no, nah, we need to go a different direction. Let's get someone else in, in which case Kenny Pickett would be a large part of that search party. Just like I remember Ben Roethlisberger being a large part of the search party in 2006 after Bill Cowher retired and they hired Mike Tomlin in 07, he was a large part of that decision as well. So something to think about. Kyle Smith gave us $5. Get this on the screen. Thank you very much for the tip, Kyle. says, I don't have much to say. Other than I'm excited for Pickett's future, just been a while since I donated. Merry Christmas. Kyle, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and yours. Hopefully you all had a great holiday and uh, and safe and healthy. That's uh, that's always, uh, for, for sure, uh, something we think about. All right, I don't want to talk too much about Matt Canada because he's kind of depressing to me. Um, <laughs> it, it just is, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where you just want to see the season end, just to see what they do. Do they keep him? Do they fire him? You know, you want to see what they do. Let's talk about the defense, yeah. though. You know, this is something Tony brought up in the knee-jerk reactions. He said, you know, opening drive, 72 yards, uh, it, it was more Swiss cheese than it was anything else. And after that, they they really did lock down. You look at the numbers for Jacobs and Adams, and the this, this Steelers' defense played a phenomenal game, pass rush. Shannon, since the bye week, the Steelers' defense has been playing better football, stopping the run better. Sure, they had a couple bad quarters, halves, almost an entire game. You know, you talk about the Atlanta second half. You talk about four quarters against the Baltimore Ravens in back-to-back weeks. Where do you think this defense is trending? You know, Mike Tomlin always talks about the arrow pointing up. Would you say that the defense's arrow is pointing up, or would you say it's more stalling at neutral?
1: I would say that schematically I've seen some things that, they've done and and I'm going to give Tomlin and Austin credit for, uh, you know, I guess Tampa Bay going with the three inside linebacker looks. And uh, I don't think a lot of people noticed Saturday night, but uh, Miles Jackson is dealing with injury, but he was already, you know, his play has been going downhill since last year with Jacksonville. And I was hoping to see a, you know, kind of a revival coming to Pittsburgh, but his, his struggles are the same as they were last year with Jacksonville. Uh, so he might be, you know, start he already plateaued uh, as a player. And you, everybody knows my opinion about Devin Bush. But in the game Saturday night, Bush and Jacks played like 40% or less of the snaps. Uh Spillane played 100%. And we're very well, all well aware of his limitations. But he is fundamentally sound. And, it, you know, it, his athleticism limits him at times. But I was impressed with the fact that they did run so much uh, with the nickel package, and they kept uh, Bush and and uh, Jacks off the field, and were still able to handle the running game with the leading rusher, I think at the time in the NFL, in Jacobs. Um, that says a lot about the, the you know the defense showing some creativity and a willingness to adjust from you know the norm. Uh, that's something that they've been slow to do in recent seasons. Um, uh, you know, like last year, they just didn't have the talent and they just got run all over. But, you know, Oga Joby's had a very underrated season and the fact that he's not a great anchor, but he's very disruptive and he, he really disrupts his side, uh, in, in the running lanes. And, you know, he makes people bounce outside or cut back and then come on, uh, Cameron Hayward had a game for the ages. I mean, he was the flag carrier, the standard bearer coming out of the tunnel, carrying the 32. And then he carried the defense throughout that game. I mean, he, I said, after the first quarter, I looked at my family. I'm like, is he going to, you know, wear himself out? Does he have enough in the tank to do this for the whole game? (laughs) Thankfully, they didn't have to play a lot of snaps because they limited uh, you know, quite a few three-and-outs for the Ra- Raiders or interceptions, turnovers. So he wasn't forced to play too much because he was playing like his hair was on fire. And that was one of the most dominant performances of his career. And he did it, it you know, in on a night where they're honoring the pass, the Immaculate Reception and the 72 Steelers. But Franco Harris, especially, carrying that flag out of there, that motivated him. Like I, have not, he said he tried to do too much again in Atlanta because you know that's where his dad played, and they went to the gravesite and everything, and that's understandable. I don't know how he, he didn't do that more this week. I mean, he I don't know if he tried to do too much. He did everything, um, and it was a just such a, a incredible performance by him, and everybody fed off that emotion, and and you just seen, um, the times that they've struggled like against the Ravens, I was so frustrated with the coaching staff, not the players, because when you have a third-street quarterback and then eventually basically a fourth-street quarterback, a rookie who had never taken a snap in the NFL, playing in that game, they didn't run blitz at all. They didn't change up anything, especially on that the final first down conversion that ended the game. The coaching staff played scared, in my opinion. Uh, If if that guy, that rookie has never took a stamp, if he beats you over the top, then they earned it. But letting them run the ball down their throat when they had the first three quarters and you're not willing to take risks to, you know, to run blitz and stuff of that nature, to fill those lanes. I I, I put that on the coaching. So Saturday night, the creativity they showed and keeping Bush and Jacks off the field a lot, I was encouraged with that. So I think that the defensive is heading up, they just need more reinforcements, younger reinforcements, and more depth.
0: All right, we'll be talking about that in the second half. Before we get there, Tony, give you a chance to talk about the defense and what you think really just in terms of the trajectory of the unit. I mean, I think it's trending
2: up when you have T.J. Watt in there. I think he he makes so much of a difference. I mean, we've seen how much better Hayward has has been now with with what these last five or six games and you know, high Smith. I mean, he had a great game on uh Saturday night. So I think it's trending up. Uh, I love like his potential. I, I would find a way to bring o- Joby back if they can next year. I think you know, he, well, he's done a one-year deal. So he's, he's a free agent. So I would, I would bring him back. He's a pretty good player. As Shannon said, he's under here. He's dealing with some injuries, but you know, he's not, he's not exactly stuff onto it, but he doesn't have to be he just, has to be Larry Ogunjobi and he's a pretty good player. So, uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned with this, with the, uh, the cornerbacks overall, uh, uh, uh Wallace and, and Weatherspoon, especially, you know, Weatherspoon never plays anymore, but, uh, and they brought in William, William Jackson, the third, and we haven't seen anything from him yet because he's been on IR. So I'm concerned with that, but overall, I think, I think the defense will continue to be a strength as long as TJ Watt, um, remains healthy which you know you, you can never predict but but uh i, I like it i just think they, they, they need to, to reinforce the d- defensive line i think they need to address inside linebacker and uh maybe get a a,
0: a corner for next year geez that's it i mean come on tony i mean what yeah, else yeah. do you want i mean it's a christmas well, I mean, season you, i guess you, you might know. as well ask for the whole yeah <laughs> I mean, throw throwing a young. I mean, they, don't have, they don't have to be all stars.
2: <laughs> they don't have to be all stars. It's just dependable players. I mean, nobody I get it. I get it. You know, like they expected Miles Shaq to be a, a solid player, and he really hasn't even been yeah. solid for them this year. I would I would have taken that. I mean, they don't have they don't need Ryan Chazier, but it would yeah. be nice if they got somebody who contributed
0: <laughs> instead of was just yeah. there. Hey, let's not forget, Tony. There were people at btse not writers, but people that comment that thought that Ryan Shazier should be a safety. He was just too small to play the inside. Now no one talks about him that way, obviously, but uh, yeah, there were people that said he was too small to play inside linebacker, all this stuff. Anyways, we're going to take a break. So if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, we're not going anywhere. We'll be right back. Otherwise on the audio side, after word from our sponsors, we will be right back. Stay tuned. All right, Steelers fans, we're back. Second half, we talked about the offense and the defense in the first half. I want to talk about a couple other things. I don't want to jump the gun. This is the hangover. But this is news that happened yesterday, Sunday, afternoon, evening, when the NFL announced that the Week 17 game between the Steelers and Ravens has been flexed to Sunday night football. 1 p.m. kick gets moved to 820. Just your thoughts on that, Shannon. Like, Is that something that gets you excited? Is that something that makes you just wring your hands and say, I hate staying up late? What are your thoughts?
1: Uh yeah, I'm, I've always liked, I'm a fan of the one o'clock games. Uh, I don't know, just something about, you know, always coming home from church and sitting down and watching the Steelers, uh, you know, in the, in the sunny out and bright, you know, I've always liked the one o'clock games, the night games, the Steelers are, you know, Monday night, they're dominant. Yeah. Thursday night eh, and Sunday night, not as much. And now to have to play. Because they'll probably know more about their playoff possibilities at that point, as you said on the Slack channel today, that could be a huge emotional swing uh, for the team that at one o'clock it wouldn't have been. Yeah. And um, so I, I'm not real happy about it. Uh, and I, I think the weather is supposed to be a lot better at least than yes. obviously it was this week. But uh, and it playing on the road like that in a, in in Baltimore is never fun. But to be the primetime game, uh, that's, that's a tall, you know, order. That's a tall task for this young stiller, especially offense. So um, yeah, I wasn't real happy about it when I heard about it.
0: Well, and to give people the lay of the land, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, John Harbaugh spoke to the media today and said he wasn't sure about Lamar Jackson. The Ravens did lock up a playoff spot. So, they are guaranteed to be in the playoffs. But in terms of the division race, they're still very much vying for the AFC North with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, and the Steelers. It, you know, they're just hoping that other teams continue to falter. Uh, the Miami Dolphins losing uh, on Christmas Day to the Green Bay Packers helped significantly. Tua is now in the concussion protocol once again. So, his availability is up in the air for this upcoming week. Uh, I, 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 I feel like this is 2003 all over, or not 2003, this is, 2000, what was it, 2008? Brian would know. When they went 8-8 eight and eight and they needed all these things to happen in the final week of the season, they did, 13. Ryan Ryan Suckup, 2013, yeah. Uh, and Ryan Suckup couldn't make a yeah. field goal, and yeah. the 43-yarder went right, and they ended up losing. Uh, I feel like that's where this is headed. I hope it doesn't. But, Tony, your thoughts on Sunday Night Football and, and it being flexed to that time slot.
2: Well, I've always been an advocate of one o'clock games. I just love one o'clock NFL action on Sundays. It, it, it reminds me of uh, when I was a kid, although there were Monday night games back then and Sunday night, but I just love one o'clock games. So I was I was uh, kind of surprised that they, uh, not surprised, but I was a little disappointed that, that they moved it. Uh, but it, also a little surprised too, because I did it from the playoffs. But it's, so the NFL usually likes to keep, you know, teams that, that have something at stake, they, they like to keep them all playing at the same time. So I was a supr- little surprised that, that, that they went ahead and, and flexed it to eight o'clock knowing, you know, w- without any certainty. Because basically, uh, if, if the Chargers don't, uh, the Chargers, they don't, they don't have to lose on Monday night against the Colts tonight. But, you know, if, if the Dolphins, if they if they win tonight, the Chargers and, and the Dolphins win uh, against the Patriots, then they're eliminated. So
0: I was a little, little surprised, a little disappointed, but a little surprised as well. All right. Speaking of teams uh, that, you know, looking at other teams, I always, the you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Mm. Think back to the trade deadline. Think back to the rumors and reports that the Steelers had multiple offers for Chase Claypool and they had the green Bay Packers were willing to give a second. Chicago bears were willing to give a second and the Steelers chose the bears. And the Packers at that time were playing some god awful football. Mm -hmm. And when you think back to 2019, when the Steelers traded a first round pick to, uh, oh my gosh, to Miami for Mika Fitzpatrick, Miami picked Pittsburgh because they thought they were going to be awful and they were going to get a higher pick. Mm -hmm. Well, the Steelers played their cards right this Mm -hmm. time. And like I said, hindsight's always 20 20, but if the Steelers would have made the deal with Green Bay, think about Green Bay turning their season around. And they've made themselves relevant once again within the NFC. And Chicago has continued to lose, losing eight straight games and having the second overall draft pick. Shannon, I'm going to ask you this first. When you look back on that trade to get the original second-round pick, not the one from Baltimore for Roquan Smith, the original second-round pick, how big is that for the Steelers right now moving into this offseason?
1: Oh, it's huge. It's huge. You know, all the needs the Steelers have, Tony listed them earlier, and you know we joked and laughed about it because, you know, it's like wow, you know, let's just give Santa a wish list here, but it's it's true that you know they need those and, and those first three picks, you know, could be really substantial. You know, you know, you want as many picks in the top one hundred. If you look back at the teams who rebuild successfully and quickly, uh, and we know free agency is a big part of it as well. But the more picks you have in that top 100 usually correlates with you, you know, improving, unless you've just got, you know, some of the front offices and the GMs that, you know, miss on a lot of these picks. But I'm really excited. I, I wanted them to trade Deontay Johnson because I did not want him. He's not a number one. And they were trying to make him a number one. But we're seeing now, that Pickens is starting to develop into that number one, which is what we've all been hoping for. And Deontay Johnson can be a dominant number two. And the fact that if you try to match up your second best cornerback with him, uh, he's going to eat your lunch. And as he did in the Raiders game, uh, he was very, very effective. One of his best games of the year. Um, you know, again, there was a couple of drops in there by a couple of people, but, but again, I think they all played very well. Um, I re- I wanted him to keep Claypool, but financially it did not make sense. Um, but to get a early second round draft pick for Claypool and his limited production here, he's went to Chicago and he's produced nothing. So it, it's been a windfall. I mean, you couldn't ask for more because you were never getting a first round pick, but this is all, this is like a late first round pick for a guy that really, you know, his production just didn't warrant it for, uh, why he was here at Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, to think that, you know, they've only won three football games. Houston, who has the first overall pick, has won two now. In yeah. the final two weeks of the season, who knows what could happen here, <laughs> but this pick, I mean, let's be honest, If if Chicago just mails it in, and Houston, who continues to battle, they took Kansas City to overtime. If they win a couple games, next thing you know, that could be the first pick in the second round. Yeah. yeah. Keep that in the back of your mind. But this is incredible. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts on the fact that Chicago keeps stinking it up? And that second round pick has looked pretty nice now. I just can't
2: believe that they gave up the second round pick uh, for Cleveland. his, his uh, just kept. Uh, trying. I, I mean, maybe maybe a third second pick and, and give their original second round pick instead of one that they got for the Rokon Smith, Smith trade. To me, that's that's why organizations uh, that's why they they struggle for lengthy periods of time. You keep making mistakes like that. I mean, they, they I don't know, I don't know what they would, what they were trying to accomplish with that. They they should have. Uh, been more patient i guess they were trying to get a, a weapon for justin fields but i mean they, they really got a pop gun for him because they haven't, he, they haven't used him since he's he's been there at least they haven't he hasn't been effective since he's been there so i mean i'm excited for it because i mean it's it's obviously their, their own first and second round picks aren't going to be what people thought they were going to be as of recently as the bye i think they're they're gonna shoot all the pack at work so this is, this is good. You know, like you said, it's, it's going to be like getting a, a late first round pick and they need that. They need, they need uh, so many, you know, they, they have a few areas they still have to address and, and hopefully upgrade. So this, this can only be beneficial uh, for them. And, and, and to me, it's, it's one of the best trades I've seen them make it in a long time. I mean, it's, it ranks up there with the Minket trade as far as uh, timing and uh, what, what it could do for them uh, in, in the very near future.
0: I think it's important to note here. And I think a lot of Steeler fans, you know, if we all, we heard a lot leading up to this past week, the, the age old saying back in the seventies prior to 72 was SOS same old Steelers, you know, and it was, it was about the losing culture in Pittsburgh until that immaculate reception. And I feel like there's certain things about the Steelers organization that the fan base says ah, that same old Steelers, you know, for instance, people would say, wow, if they have the second pick in the second round, that could be a commodity that other teams want, that they covet, that they might want to trade and get more draft picks. (laughs) Under Kevin Colbert, he didn't like to do that. He he only did it one time, and that was when they drafted Casey Hampton. And they moved back, I think, three spots that draft in 2001, I believe. He just did not like to do it. And I think what's important to remember is that this is not Kevin Colbert's show anymore. And we as a fan base have no idea what Omar Khan and Andy Weedle are going to do when it comes to this off season and this upcoming draft cycle. We can guess, we can try to predict, but we don't know. So when you're sitting there thinking, boy, it'd be great if they could trade that second round pick and maybe get a couple other nice third round picks later, second, something. So many things can happen where they could get more picks, more talent. Well, you can't say, well, that's, that's not what the Steelers do. That's what the that team did. That's what that GM did. This is a new, it's a new show. Shannon, I see you. I see you like you're mm-hmm. you're enjoying that thought. Yeah, you, that yeah. you're on board for
1: that. Yes. Oh, I'm stoked. Um, I'm more excited. Um, Omar Khan. I think you know. Again, the Steelers are notorious for promoting or hiring from in house. Um, but when they got, uh, I say his name wrong all the time. I Indy uh, White. White-O-Weedle, something like that, yeah. whatever. sure. I say Go it for. I say it wrong, but I'm so excited about him because, uh, like my article last week, if you look at the AFC has the elite quarterbacks. The NFC has the elite rosters. And the two elite rosters in the NFL, in my opinion, are the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. They are solid from top to bottom, across the board. And we know where did we know why don't come from he come from philadelphia and he was part of that and he built that and you can win a championship with a really solid quarterback who has clutch abilities that's why what Pickett did saturday night was so important and that he showed the first glimpses of clutch ability um you know the 49ers got to the super bowl just recently with jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo had a chance when they went down and they lost the lead and it was late in the fourth. They, they lost that lead. Garoppolo drops back Kansas city blows the coverage and let Emmanuel Sanders get five yards behind them. And if Jimmy Garoppolo hits that pass, they have a real shot to win that Super Bowl. Now we don't know what Mahomes would have done when he got the ball back, but what I'm saying is he had an opportunity on his arm and he missed the throw. Some quarterbacks are good enough to get you there but they can't get you over the top. That's where the clutch factor comes in. You have no idea if they got it till they get there. So we're starting to see a little glimpse of Bigot, and hopefully it's something he can repeat. But I am so excited about Weedle's uh, contributions and how they could change up. you To make these trades and to trade back and improve your draft capital, you got to have find a willing partner. And I don't think Colbert had a lot of that. I don't think he had a lot of those type of relationships, which, you know, Con is new. So, I mean, but why do I think does, and I think he has some connections and he's younger. And, and I think that we're going to hopefully see the Steelers be more current in the way they utilize draft capital, because if you can even trade draft capital, but you're getting a proven starter or even pro bowl level player, you know, that's, that's worth that first, you know, a draft pick because, you know, that's what you're hoping they turn out to be. So the Steelers have been really cautious, conservative when it comes to the kind of thing under Colbert, as you mentioned. We don't know what this regime will do. And I'm really, really excited about it because if the Steelers can build that roster, you know, and strengthen it like the Eagles and the Niners have, and Waddle's been a part of that. Then I see, I think Kenny Pickett, or it will be much easier to find a quarterback capable of putting him over the top, even if it isn't Kenny Pickett. So I
0: agree with you 100%. And it is worth noting that Weedle also spent time in Baltimore, and Baltimore does know how to build a roster, whether you love him or hate him. He did, he had his fingerprints all over that roster as well. You bring up San Francisco and Philadelphia, and I agree 100%. Probably the best rosters in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And especially who is the most complete roster in your opinion, the AFC?
1: It's it's hard to you know. It, I think the Buffalo Bills had the number one. That's where I was going to roster. Go. That's where I was going to. But go. I think that losing Von Miller because yes, if you have watched since they've played, they're not generating that same pass rush. He, you know, that having that guy that you know can generate pressure allowed them to do so much because all their linebackers are very talented, great in coverage, well rounded, but without. Miller, I'm thinking that will they have the pass rush to beat a Mahomes or a Burroughs? Because, you know, I, you have to admit it, even though I, I hate to, but Cincinnati has a stronger roster this year than they had last year. Yeah. Um, the offensive line is definitely improved. They're using P Ryan uh, who's becoming a beast. Uh, is that backup running back? You know they're using him and mixing uh, a lot like the Saints used Kamara and um, Ingram, Ingram, and you know Perry, I mean, you don't want to tackle that guy, and he catches that ball out of the backfield, and he's just abusing guys. Which I will say, Harris did Saturday night <laughs> when they started throwing that. Ball, we've been all been begging him to yeah. throw him dump him passes, let him go cut through the line and drop it off because those cornerbacks do not want to tackle him with the head of steam and. I thought one of the key plays in the game was when he caught that pass, got 10 yards, and then drove and drug guys for another 10 on that final drive. That Boy, you felt the momentum. That's when I really started to believe was when he did that. But, um, yeah, I think that I would have said the Bills had the most complete AFC roster, but now um, I don't want to see him win it, but I think the Bengals might have the most complete roster.
0: All right. Well, while I go and throw up after Shannon, just saying the <laughs> Bengals have the most complete roster, Tony, Shannon just said a lot of great stuff. Do you have anything to chime in on any of the topics that we just covered? Well,
2: I mean, I was going to say the Bengals, uh, because they do, they, they do look like the best team in the AFC right now. I mean, they're, they're red hot and I mean, they have everything. Obviously they have all the skilled players you need on offense, and Joe Burrow looks like he's, he's, uh, going to be the best quarterback in the NFL before long, uh, and, and they have they, they improve their offensive line they have great safeties they, they have a, a really good front seven this is a good young team and and that's that's going to be they're going to be uh hard to mess uh, the trifle with over these next well this year and in the very near future too and you know you mentioned the 49ers and the eagles well you know they have the Purdy. you know it's one thing to have a complete roster but you know when once you get in, into january february you know, that quarterback needs to make some plays and I'm going to be interested to see if he can make those plays because he's a great story right now. But, uh, uh I think, I think if, if I had to choose what team I'd, I'd want to have going into the playoffs, whether it's the 49ers or the Bengals right now, it would definitely be the Bengals. Cause I think they have, they have everything you need to, to win it all. And they almost won it all last year. So, uh, I like the bills too. And I even like the Cowboys. I know people don't like, like to hear that, but I like the Cowboys. I think they have a great offense. I like Dak Prescott and they have a pretty good. Micah, Mike you know, player of the year candidate. So you got a lot of roster as well. And I I know they're not going to be, but be a four in the uh, playoffs.
0: Some good stuff there. Absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for the Steelers down the stretch. And will they get lucky enough to survive another week by still being considered uh, in playoff contention? Will they be eliminated before the kickoff in week 17? We'll have to see how the cards fall. Uh, in the meantime, let's wrap this show up with some final thoughts. Shannon, you did not get a chance yet. I don't think so. Well, actually, know your enemy. You all did get a chance to talk about the death of Franco Harris, mm-hmm. um, but go ahead and you have the you know the the ability to to talk about whatever you want in your final thoughts. Go ahead and uh, take the show. Go go for
1: it. Well, again, I've um, I'm just so encouraged right now um, with the fact that the Steelers was able to win the game, the way they won the game, under those circumstances, and it was all because, uh, you know, on offense, because of all the youth. Um, that bodes well for the future. The offensive line, if I'm mistaken, the oldest guy on the line might be Cole at 26 or 27. I mean, there's they're really set up. You know, it would be great if they could add one stud lineman in there whether it's a draft pick or a free agent guy. Um, But that offense is set up for the future. It really is, especially if Kenny Pickett is the answer, which, you know, hopefully we'll know more after these next two games. Um, Defensively, you know, they need help on all three levels uh, as far as the defensive line, inside linebacker, and a cornerback. Um, But again, you know, there is the free agency option as well. And you know, you could do a lot in an offseason. Uh so we, but I guess where I'm most encouraged as we was talking with Weidel, um and and Con with that new regime and the new scouting department, which we haven't really talked about, but you know, uh Ike Taylor is one of the new uh members of the scouting department, and um so you know, you can't even say, well, they've really struggled to find cornerbacks and you know, uh because Now it's the new scouting department. And then you have some new coaches, and hopefully they'll be able to develop the uh, the talent that they do acquire. Um, So I'm I'm just really encouraged. Um, Most of all, I guess I have to admit it, I'm seeing more and more out of Kenny Pickett that makes me believe that he has an opportunity to be that good enough quarterback with clutch ability that you need to take you deep in the playoffs.
0: Fantastic. Tony, it's your chance for some final thoughts before we call it a show. Well, I just coming back to the
2: word surreal when it comes to Frank goes passing. I, I just couldn't believe it when I saw the uh, my the, my brother Wednesday morning you know, you Twitter and you see it was it was it was confirmed. I just I mean, there's never a good time for somebody to pass away. But just the, the timing of that with everything that was about to happen for him, the, the celebration, it was. Probably going to be the best. It was definitely going to be the best moment of his life. He got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1990. So um, for that to happen the way it did, it just it just it takes you back to what happened with Roberto Clemente. I think it's maybe the most significant death since Roberto Clemente, as far as an athlete in Pittsburgh. So it was really shocking, but uh, I'm glad that they that they were able to, to pull that game out and win it for him. And and, and the, the way that people like Cam Hayward and and uh, even Kenny Pickett, the way They they step in the way. Uh, It was really a beautiful thing to see, even though it was a very somber and sad time. But as as far as the team itself, with two games left, I mean, I think it's people. You know, they spent all year talking about draft picks and draft positioning, but but I think it's it's gonna be be a great experience for them moving forward. The fact that this year's an offense that they have managed to bounce back from that two and six start, and uh, they have two games left, and they're still they're still. In, in contention for a playoffs, but it, the, the odds are long. But they're still in it. And I think that, that speaks to their character, and I speak. It speaks to Mike Tomlin's coaching ability. We know what his strengths are. We, we know what his, we we always say what his weaknesses are. But th- we have to admit that his strength is keeping a team together. He's always managed to keep his his guys together and fighting. And and uh, I'm just uh, I just I just want to see them get the Sunday night with, with something on the line uh, in, in in
0: Baltimore. Very well said. Yeah. I want everyone, my final thoughts here. I want everyone to do a little exercise, do this with me, unless you're driving, in which case don't do all of it. Don't close your eyes. But I want you to close your eyes unless you're driving, keep your eyes on the red. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to go back in your mind, in your mind's eye. And remember what it was like when this team was two and six, they are two and six. And if I would have told you at that time that this team would battle its way back after the bye week start playing some pretty good football They'd be seven and eight going into week 17 in Baltimore and have an actual chance, whether it's slim or not, they are not mathematically eliminated yet from the playoffs. Would you take it? Open your eyes and answer that question. Because for me, I would have said, hell yes, I'll take that. Sign me up. It's they Absolutely. were two and six. Absolutely. They were two and six. Think about how they went into the bye after getting shellacked in Philadelphia in week eight. They've come out of the bye. They've looked better. They've looked more competent. And yeah, they might not end up in the playoffs this year. Think about how far this team has come, though. Can they keep it going into 2023? Well, that's, that's, we have to wait and see for that. But as of right now, you have to like what you've seen from this Pittsburgh Steelers team, from the coaching staff on down, for them to get them back, to get them in the hunt. I always say that Dave Schofield always says, All I want to see is a little Steelers logo on that screen when it says AFC playoff picture <laughs> in the hunt. And they're still there. And they're still there somehow, some way. Some by the grace of God, some by skill and talent. They are still there. So, all right, hey guys, thanks for tolerating me uh, here in this Steelers hangover. It's my Steelers mm-hmm. hangover debut. I appreciate Shannon and Tony for for playing along for the last hour. Make sure you check us out at behindthesteelcurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. And remember, wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or behind the steel curtain, so you get all of our content. And you'll get like uh, my Let's Ride every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The Stat Geek with Dave Schofield on Thursday. Uh, you'll have Maddie Peveril's War Room. All that stuff is audio only. So make sure you find us there as well. But hopefully, Brian will be back next week for another Steelers hangover after that Sunday Nighter. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you next time. Go, Steelers. Thank you. It's fun.